34 minutes to door knock. Wow. Um, <clears throat> okay, now, now this is a slight wrinkle, but no, nothing, nothing to worry about. We're just going to have to go into the server room from the outside. What? Well, the firewalls on this building server are military grade. I mean, I, it, this would be a cinch if I could call Yusuf back at headquarters, but Yusuf doesn't exist anymore, and, and, and neither do we. I could hack it. But it would take too long. They're hardwire in. And there's four layers of next-gen security between us and the server room. There's no way we can get to it from inside. If we can't get to the server, we don't control the elevators, we don't control the security cameras. This operation's over before it even begins. I'm telling you, we can get to it from outside. We? I'm, I'm on the computer. Uh, I'm just uh, a helper. Okay. What floor is it on? Uh, 130. 130. Bed ducts. Pressure sensitive. Not enough time. Elevator shaft. Infrared sensors. Not enough time. So, Ethan Hunt, I mean, you guys are Mission Impossible fans. Okay, all right, good. So, you guys maybe even remember that, that scene. Hopefully, I don't break this. But Ethan Hunt, he's got his incredibly talented yet quirky team of agents that are called on to save the world. And when the mission seems impossible, they call Mr. Hunt and his, his team. But for them to be successful, they need to have a team. They need to work together as a team. And if you're familiar with those movies, you see that time and time again. Well, we as Christians, we've been given a mission. We're, we're taking a little sidestep down, down Fremont campus. Um, they're still continuing with Blueprint. Um, there's a, a, a motorcycle gang uh, group uh, from, from Fremont that's up here. Where are you guys at? You guys kind of sitting all over? Okay, so they're kind of dispersed around. And by the way, if you ride, and I'm talking a motorcycle, not like a mountain bike, like I would probably try to keep up with them on my mountain bike, you know. You guys, wait up. Um, but if you ride, um, let me put you in contact with Tim Lamb. Where's Tim? He's right there. Or Tim Havis is back there. Um, and... Join them when they go on rides. So they wanted to come up today and, and be a part our, of our uh, service. They would have been here sooner, but Pastor Kevin went long. So 
not like me. I never go long. But anyways, so great to have those guys here. Glad you were able to come up from the Fremont campus and be a part of that. But we as Christians, we've been given an assignment. And we're going to take the next two weeks, and we're going to be talking about that assignment. And our assignment, our mission is to make disciples. To do what seems like is the impossible mission to bring spiritual life to spiritually dead people. And if you know anything about yourself, as I know about myself, that's an impossible mission for us to accomplish. And and I think part of that, there's three reasons I think that are part of that. And so the first one is this, I think our our own fear and feeling of inadequacy uh, come into play. And that's what makes it feel like it might be impossible. Next week, we're going to talk about that. I really, I'm encouraging you to come on back, invite your friends, because next week I think, I think, it's going to be one of the, the more encouraging messages that you could hear coming from God and his word as it pertains to you and me and how he wants to use us as it pertains to bringing spiritual life to spiritually dead people. This morning what I want to do is look at the other two, and that is, the second one is the spiritual condition, again, you know, when we think about our friends and coworkers and neighbors and family and those who don't know Christ, we understand that that's a dire situation. That to, to live that life and then to die without Christ is to spend an eternity in hell, which is God's judgment. It was really meant for Satan and his demons, but when man sinned, it became part of the same judgment. So how do we do that? And then the third thing is we fail to remember the incredible team that we have working in, around, and through us to make that impact. So I want to jump into this this morning. We're going to look at these two things, starting out by looking at the spiritual condition of those who need Jesus, which, by the way, if you're here this morning and you placed your faith in Christ, you know what that felt like prior to coming to Christ. You know what a life was like being spiritually dead prior to coming to Christ. And that's what Paul's doing in Colossians chapter 2. We're going to be hitting a bunch of different verses this morning, more of a topical uh, message this morning than sitting in a passage like we've been doing through 1 Timothy. So uh, feel free to jump in with your Bible if you like, or you can look it up on the screen if if you like. But that's what Paul's getting to here in Colossians. He's talking to the Christians in the city of Colossae, which I think is like a pretty cool, I love to live in a town called Colossae, you know, it's kind of classic. But um, and he dis- God describes their spiritual condition this way. And again, he's reminding Christians where they were prior to Christ, which, by the way, I think we need to constantly be reminded, us Christians, of where we were, because where we were should motivate us for the mission that God's called us to do. So Paul does that here. He does it in numerous letters, but in this one, he says this, When you were dead in your transgressions or your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, which is kind of a, a graphic way of saying trying to work your way to heaven, he found you or he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it 
to the cross. So what does God mean by someone being spiritually dead? He says here, we're dead in our transgressions and sins. So our sin is basically that which we do when we live life our way, when we think the way we want to think, when we respond to life the way we want to respond, when we go contrary to what God's word says as to how we're supposed to live life. We're born in sin, we commit sin. And I've used this illustration before, but I think it's very effective. In one of these days, I might even... No, I won't do that to you guys. Um, But if we had a physically dead person here today, okay, don't laugh. I could tell you a story when I was a youth pastor, (laughs) what I did um, to make a point with a casket, um, but I won't go into that. I've been accused of lying. It was a bad situation. Anyways, um, you can ask maybe some of the youth that were in the youth group back then. I don't know. Is Bethany in here? Yeah, Did you remember that, Bethany? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You can ask her. Anyways, um, but if we had a physically dead person in here, how much interaction would that person have with us? How much could they have with us? Absolutely none, right? They couldn't talk to us. They couldn't sing with us. They couldn't, you wouldn't want them necessarily sitting next to you, right? I mean, it would just be, it's silly, right, to kind of even have that conversation. When it comes to us spiritually, outside of Christ, because of our sin, that's how God sees us. That's how God views us as we walk around. We're physically alive, but we're spiritually dead. We may think that we're having spiritual thoughts. We may think that we're having spiritual conversations. We may even think that we're doing some spiritual and religious good deeds that have some sort of impact on God and how he might relate to us. But from God's point of view, which is the only point of view that matters here, He sees us as spiritually dead. No ability to have a relationship with him in and of ourselves. And speaking of those religious things, those good things that we think might influence him, here's what he says in Isaiah 64.6 about those things. Isaiah, again, God directing him to speak, says, For all of us have become like one who is unclean, again, our sin, and all of our righteous deeds are like filthy garments. And so even when we think, within our own strength and our own power, try to uh, do what we think is good to get God's attention, God, it stinks to him. It's a filthy garment. So we are messed up without Christ. We're going to talk about this part of it a little bit later this morning, but he says this, He, speaking of God, made you alive. So again, talking to Christians now, so those are the people who were, but then who understood the message of the gospel, received Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, had God forgive them of their sins, not based on anything they did, but what God did. And then God made them alive. See, it's only God who can correct our spiritual condition. Only God is powerful enough. He's the only one who's all-powerful, infinite, and able to do it. And he makes us spiritually alive. When we come to him, and one, we admit that we're sinners, that we realize, man, I screwed up, I've sinned, and I'm separated from God. And then we, we believe, and this is all happening at the same time, okay? This is not like step, 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 but this is happening at the same time. Then we realize, we hear about Jesus Christ, and we hear about this God, man, who 
lived a perfect life and died on the cross, and then we realize, oh man, he did that for me. That wasn't just some guy doing something cool and good and all that, but he did it for me. Wow. And then we realize, I need that. And, and so we confess that. We say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you because of my sin. And I believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross for my sins. And when we do that, we're going to talk more about it, but when we do that, God declares us not guilty of our sin. He puts his Holy Spirit in us and washes us clean, and then his Holy Spirit lives in us, empowering us to do life God's way, and is a guarantee that he'll take us to heaven one day. And I asked her permission if I could do this, but I was meeting with Brian and Jamie Fisher-Mock on Friday, and we got to talking about salvation and where they, you know, how, what was the relation like with God and all that kind of stuff. And Jamie was just like, you know, I went to church when I was a kid, and I asked my mom about it. My mom said that uh, she remembered when I was a kid I was baptized and all that. She goes, but honestly, I don't really, I don't know. I, I just, I can't really point to that time and say I understood what went on. And so I said, well, let's make 8-24-18 your birthday, your spiritual birthday. We could just pray. So she and I together, I kind of led her in a prayer, it was, but it was her prayer to God, and she accepted the Lord on Friday and moved from being a spiritually dead person, attending church, by the way, to a spiritually alive person who's been adopted into God's family. Isn't that awesome? You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. And so at this point, so far, Kim Belcher and uh, Jamie are going to be baptized on the 9th, and um, so make sure you're here for that. We're not going to use the, the baptism down here. We're going to do it a different way, so be here for that. So then the mission of bringing spiritual life to people may seem absolutely impossible if it's left to us, but it is extremely possible when we understand the infinite, powerful team that we have behind us. This team is resourceful. This team is able to operate at night when people are sleeping. Huh? I like to have that kind of team on your side, right? You're, you're sitting there at home and you're praying for people and you're thinking about people and you're asking God to work in people's hearts and while they're sleeping at night... While they're laying in bed and they, maybe they wake up in the middle of the night, God will put, oh, I just gave it away. God will put thoughts into people's hearts. He'll put situations into their lives. And so since I already screwed up my whole point here, it's Team Trinity. All right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three persons, now this, this should really encourage you, I hope. I hope you guys are walking out here this morning going, yes. Hamburgers, hot dogs, and the Trinity is working behind me. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three persons of the Godhead are actively involved in giving you and me what we need to see people go from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive, to go from living life and going to hell one day to living life for God and going to heaven one day. So we want to look at first here, God the Son. Romans 8, 5 and 8 says this, But God, 
demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God the Son has started the ball rolling. He put into place that which needed to be done. The only thing that could be done, the only way for our sins to be forgiven was for God, as man, to die on behalf of man. Only way our sin can be forgiven. Only way. And God made it happen. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us. And what's love again? Looking out for the best of somebody else, no matter what it might cost us. God looked out for our best, for our benefit, no matter what it cost him. And what it cost him was God the Son coming to earth, living a perfect life, and dying on the cross. We're unable to. Your family members, your friends, your co-workers, your, your uh, friends at school, they're unable to remove the weight of sin. It's an infinite weight of sin, a debt that they have. But God can do that, and God has done that through the work of Jesus Christ. Look what the Apostle John said in 1 John 2. He says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. So this is some cool stuff here. Okay, There's some two words here that we need to key in on. You ever, are you watching TV and you see the, uh, the lawyer commercials that seem to be happening every like two or three minutes? The super lawyers. We've been devoted one of the super lawyers of Toledo. Now, same guy's face, by the way, is out in Colorado too, but just saying, he won a super lawyer out there too. Makes you wonder. We have the super lawyer. Advocate means lawyer. Jesus Christ is standing in front of God the judge on our behalf. He's our substitute. That's what the word propitiation means. So now tomorrow when you go to work, you'll walk up to somebody, and I said, and you'll be working on something, but you want them to work on it. So would you be my propitiation here? Man, you guys are just... Okay, I'll hurry up so you can get some food in you because you guys look like you might be going through some you know, blood sugar issues. All right. So Jesus Christ stands before God as our lawyer. And when there's an issue with us, Jesus stands there and says, no, remember I died on the cross for their sins. Obviously not that there's going to be an issue because God the Father's in on it. But we place our faith in Christ. His death, his burial, his resurrection. We stand before God. He stands in our way. Now that's, that's the way for God to forgive our sins. But here's another cool fact. So not only did Jesus make the way possible, but then it says, Jesus tells us that the Father draws people to him. So think about it. So take a deep breath. God draws people to Jesus Christ. It says this in John 6. Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And it is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He's talking about Jesus. 
He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say it to you, he who believes has eternal life. So Jesus Christ makes it possible when he dies on the cross and rises from the dead. Then God gets in, God the Father gets involved, and he draws people to Jesus. Now we're going to talk more about this next week as to how we play into that. But ultimately, it's going to be God who's drawing people to Jesus. This is so contrary that what, to, to what most religious people think about God and certainly unsaved people think about God. Most, even religious people, and unsaved people that I've talked to anyways, consider God as some God who's out there keeping people out of heaven, making it difficult for people to come to heaven. Now imagine you're having a conversation at work, and someone says something on those lines, and you'd be like, hey, I just, I just read in the Bible where Jesus, God the Son, said that God the Father draws people to him. That doesn't sound like a God who's trying to keep people out of heaven, right? I mean, if God really wanted to keep people out of heaven, he would have said, live a perfect life. That would keep everybody out of heaven, right? <laughs> but no, he says, Jesus died, and I'm going to draw people to him. And he said, we're going to talk about more next week about how, that, how we play into that. Then later in John, Jesus tells us about God the Holy Spirit and what he does. And this is what he says. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for, I do not go, for if I do not go away, the Helper, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, what's he going to do? Will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in him. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no, you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I just, something just hit me here. Besides the fact that the Holy Spirit's going to convict the world concerning sin, so I don't have to. Isn't that awesome? I could be talking to a, a person who needs Christ, and they could be telling me all about their sin, and I don't have to convict them at all. I don't have to say, I can't believe you're committing that sin. Why? Because they're not a Christian. They shouldn't, you know, they're not expected to live a life that God wants them to live because they're, they're not a Christian yet. And so I, I don't have to convict them. The Holy Spirit will convict them. And then he says, um, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Here's the other cool thing. I don't have to be perfect. Jesus Christ is perfect. But it's going to be the Holy Spirit who helps them see that Jesus is the perfect one and I'm not the perfect one. So even when I screw up, even when I respond incorrectly to a coworker, to a friend, a neighbor, to a whatever, I can go back to them and say, hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm screwed up and I'm sorry. I, I did that wrong. Please forgive me. Which, by the way, will cause them to think, wow, that person's kind of different. So the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts people. Jesus dies. God draws. The Holy Spirit convicts. And then look at what God the Father then does. Once a person realizes that they're a sinner, realizes that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, and realizes that they need him for their salvation, and they go to God and say, please forgive me of my sin. Romans 4, God had Paul write this. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, 
but not before God. So Abraham, prior to Israel, okay, prior to Israel getting this law that a lot of people think that they had to follow in order to be right with God, prior to that ever happening, a law ever given, God said this about Abraham. For what, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it, his belief in God, was credited to him as righteousness. <laughs> so follow me here. Before Jesus Christ ever existed on earth, he was obviously existed eternally as God the Son. But before he became incarnate, put on flesh, God tells Abraham the plan. Now we get a, a summary of that in Genesis 15, but the idea is that he's going to bless the world through Abraham. Jesus Christ is a descendant of Abraham. So that's the blessing. Abraham says, I believe you're going to do that 4,000 years from now, whatever the the number would be. And God said, because you believe that one day there's going to be somebody who's going to die on the cross for your sins, I'm going to say that you're righteous, that you are right before me, even before Jesus Christ ever came on the scene. That word justified means to declare not guilty of the sin we've committed. So God is saying to Abraham, he says to anybody who has placed their faith in Christ, that you are not guilty of the sin that you have committed, you are committing, or that you will ever commit in the future. That is forgiven. On a relationship basis, that sin is forgiven. Now, there might be fellowship issues where we sin and we don't feel quite close to God and we need to ask for his forgiveness for that fellowship, but for the relationship, it's forgiven. And then the last thing that we look at with this whole Team Trinity thing that makes the mission possible is that Jesus says, I will build my church. He said this in Matthew 16 when he's talking to Peter. He says, Simon Peter answered, because Jesus said, hey, who do you say that I am? Peter says this, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, a nickname, I guess, elongated nickname for Peter, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but who? The Father revealed this to you. Pretty cool, right? But my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, not on Peter, but on his confession of faith, that on that confession of faith in Christ, if anyone makes that confession of faith, that's what brings them to God for salvation, for relationship, and then become part of his church. Jesus is building his church. And so once we place our faith in Christ, we then become part of his church. Romans 8, 15 through 17 says this, because you know, we talked about this in, in 1 Timothy, being part of the church of the living God, what that meant, right? Being part of the household of God means be part of his family. Says this in Romans 8, 15 through 17. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. In other words, when you came to Christ, you weren't given a spirit of slavery, but you have received a spirit of adoptions as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. We could say Daddy, a term of intimacy, which, by the way, the Jews were just floored with Jesus saying, We can call God Father. Now we can call him Abba, Father. Okay? These poor people, we have to pick them off, off the ground. The Spirit himself testifies, so God's Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that he has made alive now 
that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so we may also be glorified with him. So we are, it's not just that he saves us, but his Holy Spirit is given to us, and then he adopts us into his family. Imagine having that conversation with somebody who needs Jesus Christ, who is lost, who's trying to figure out how do I do life, who, who maybe has a real terrible family life. Imagine going to them and saying, the God of this universe wants to adopt you, which is, by the way, a full legal term. That's why we get an inheritance. That we get to be adopted into this family. Imagine having that conversation with somebody in your life who, whose life is being destroyed, who's going down a path, and you say, man, I'm telling you, that is not a good way to go. And you know they don't have Christ. Just imagine yourself having that conversation. Pray about having that conversation. I talked to my neighbor a while back about that conversation. Um, and, and no joke, um, beyond a podcast, you just have to visualize this. He's, this is his response. Literally, he just stood his mouth wide open. And then the only thing that came out of his mouth was, wow, thanks. So we need to get past that, you know, and see if he will accept Christ. But it was just, you know, he had never, he was raised in a Christian religion that never told him that. So we are God's spiritual family. We're part of the team that Jesus is building to accomplish the mission. But if God's got this, what does he need from us. That's what we're going to talk about next week. How is it that we play into it? I'm telling you, this next week should free you up when it comes to sharing your faith, impacting people for Jesus Christ. So make sure you come back. But what's our takeaways today? What should we be looking at? Let me just say this. And again, this comes out of my conversation with Jamie and some other experiences in my life with people who have gone to church all their lives. I don't know what your church experience has been. You better have been attending here since we started a year and a half ago. But if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, you know, I've heard a lot of Christianese and I've heard a lot of God talk and I've been in church and stuff, but I don't really know for sure. You know, maybe you've even been baptized. I mean, Jamie was baptized. Maybe you've even been baptized, but you're like, I don't really know if I have that certainty. Romans tells us that if we're a follower of Christ. If we're adopted into his family, his Holy Spirit is going to confirm that. If you're sitting here this morning and you're like, I can't say for sure, then let's make that happen this morning. And that's simply a prayer. Your heart to God's heart. And I'll, I'll even lead in that. Okay, But your heart to God, God's heart, and it's simply this. It's ABC. Admit that you're a sinner separated from God. Believe or put your full weight of trust on the fact that God says that Jesus died for you. Say, okay, I'm going to trust that. And then just tell him that. Confess that. Just say, hey. Because we normally do that, right? If you've given a gift, then you normally say thank you. right? be kind of rude if you didn't. And that's what the confession part of it is. So let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. And, and I, I just want to lead you in that prayer. Okay, again, I don't know where you guys are at. I, I don't know what God's doing in your life, but if 
that needs to happen in your heart this morning, just simply pray this. Your heart to God's. Say, Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm separated from you. But I also know and believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the Holy Spirit you've placed in my life and adopting me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, would you just slip your hand up real quick and let me see it again? I don't, I don't know if anybody here needs to or not, but if you do and did, just raise your hand real quick. If not, we'll move on. Okay, go ahead and open your eyes. If you're here this morning, then for the most part, you believe that you're a follower of Christ. And so here's what I'd like to encourage you to do. Because I, I think for Christians, we, not, we need to be uh, constantly reminded of this. I just challenge you to prayerfully evaluate what you think your mission is on this earth. To prayerfully evaluate why it is that if you're a follower of Christ, why did God draw you to Christ? Why did you accept Christ? And what do you think and understand your mission is? Okay? And that's between you and God. I, I'm, I'm just telling you what... I believe Scripture teaches our mission is when Jesus said, go make disciples. But you need to decide for yourself, what's my part in that? Am, am I, is that for me? Am I supposed to? You evaluate that and talk to, to the Lord about that. And then the third thing is brainstorm and barbecue. Huh? So I don't know if you've ever been a part of a church that does this. I know some pastors um, wouldn't even think about doing this, <laughs> but I'm one of those nut jobs, so I'm, I'm doing it. Um, but I, I like to sit with Christians and pick their brains and find out, you know, because you guys are out on the front lines in that sense. You know, I, I don't have a real job, um, and I hide from non-Christians all the time. So, um, but you guys don't. So what's going on in your lives that would that would help us as a church impact your neighborhoods and your communities. We're going to eat food and talk about that. I mean, you can't beat that, right? Get away at the end of the day. And we'll get you out of here, you know, before 5 or 6 tonight. So don't, you know, if you eat enough, you won't have to have dinner, which is kind of nice. Um, but I was looking for, I don't have a sign. Say our signs are here. So uh, next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll have yard signs. Um, and ours are orange. Because uh, another church in town took the cool color. Uh, but we're going to go with orange. Ours will be cooler. Um, and so that's a great way. I'll talk more about it next week. But that's a great way. If you're uncomfortable, you're not quite sure about sharing your faith with your neighbors, just plant that sign in your front yard and say, hey, I go to this church. And then if people have questions, they can come ask you, right? Put it on them. So let's go ahead and stand. And I'm going to pray to end the service as well as for the food. We want to make things you know, quick around here. So if you're staying for lunch, and again, if you didn't bring anything, that's fine. We have plenty. Believe me, I saw it coming in, and there's a semi-truck that pulled up, and people were shoving food out in the back. Not sure where we got the semi-truck. But, um, but please, feel free to stay. If you've never been around a brainstorm session, enjoy that. Um, you don't even have to speak. Just keep shoving food in your mouth. 
Uh, so feel free to stay. But I'm going to pray to close the service. I'm also going to pray for uh, the meal and thank the Lord for that.